The Recruitment Mentors community is now completely open for you to join. It's the meeting point for recruitment professionals who want to take their development and growth into their own hands. Whether you're starting out your career or five years into it, our mission is to empower you to accelerate your development with the most successful, collective, current and responsive teachings from outside of your four walls. You can now join the community for just £39 per month by going directly to our website at recruitmentmentors.com. That's recruitmentmentors.com. Your new mentors are waiting to meet you. Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Pete Razinka, who is the founder of Org3D who are a recruitment business that build help build high-performing sales, marketing, and engineering teams for fast-growth tech companies across the US and Europe. Pete started his recruitment career in 2011 after being in the fitness industry for several years. And in this time, Pete progressed from being a management consultant and a principal consultant at Finney James for over seven years um, before taking the leap to start his own recruitment business Org3D in 2018. And here we are, Pete, for thanks for uh, joining me on the podcast. And here we are. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. So very quickly, I just have to ask, because I, I forgot to ask this before, but when we say several years in the fitness industry. Yeah. So was you an actual bodybuilder? <laughs> no, I've never, I've never, my, my profession was a PT. So I used, okay. I used to PT, I uh, transitioned into PT from a kind of typical globo gym into the, the world of CrossFit, um, which is a love-hate thing. Some people love it, some people hate yeah. it. Um, but I did perform. I was, I, I was a competitive Olympic weightlifter. It's still part of what I do now, but that wasn't my job. That was just a hobby. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so it's weightlifting, not bodybuilding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a completely different ballgame. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's the non, it's the non vanity right. version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, where, where we always like to start on this podcast is, in your opinion, Pete, what characteristics and traits do you think make up a highly successful recruitment consultant? Okay. So, look, there's loads of kind of, there's loads of tactical skills for me, which we can talk about. But I think from a, a higher level, the things that, we always look for, and if I'm thinking about high performers, it's people who are truly goal-driven. So what I mean by truly goal-driven is talented people know what they want to do, and they're not afraid to tell you about it. And to tell you about it with absolute clarity, I think that's key for me. It's not enough to say, I want to be successful, or I want to help people. It has to be a clear goal. So clear goals and, and clear being the operative there is, is clarity on those goals. So I think it's a really interesting one because a lack of clarity for me, it's kind of like a, a manifestation of fear almost. Um, and what I mean by that is when a goal becomes really clear, there's a chance that you won't achieve it, right? Cause it's clear. Mm. So you can, you either miss it or you hit it. So I think people don't get clear on goals 
through fear actually um it's easy to say oh, i want to be i want to be um a better biller or i want to be a, a better salesperson um but yeah so clarity uh, truly goal driven um and then thirdly it would be uh, people who can really take ownership and really take responsibility which is that's actually something we test for and we measure when we're interviewing um you know the, the people who don't play the blame game and, and actually take responsibility and ownership for their own development their own learning um whether it's coming to you with ideas um you know and and with that the thing that underpins everything is an appetite for learning so if i'm going to summarize those things it'd be learning responsibility clarity and goal driven and yeah. you know so there's a load of tactical things as well with the job of recruitment and the different skills you need for different industries you know for us we're in a we're in a sales industry we're selling check this out we're selling salespeople to other salespeople. so that's a tough gig um yeah. so there has to be a level of assertiveness with that you know people who are assertive um and people who've got natural curiosity i think regardless of whether it's you're curious about how a watch works or you're curious about what somebody's thinking which is kind of more pertinent to, to recruitment it's having that natural curiosity to go a layer deeper and to qualify and not be afraid of um really getting to the bottom of a problem you know once you truly understand something the more you can understand something, the more comfortable you are with with selling that and positioning that to your client, to your candidate. So that all stems from a sense of natural curiosity for me. Yeah, some really interesting things there. I'm going to have to ask how you measure responsibility, but just quickly because it just as it's on my mind, I love the curiosity part. I think it's I think that's actually quite underestimated. Sort of how powerful just having that appetite to be curious is and asking questions or being willing to ask questions. And I listened to a, a podcast with, and I need to read the book to be fair, but it's a very well read book and recommended Jim Collins. Good. Um, good to great. I don't know if you've read that or heard of Jim Collins, but yeah, he was on a podcast. And the reason why I'm sharing that is because one of his mentors said to him, the best piece of advice he's ever had was his mentor said to him, um, this sort of analogy was at a dinner party, you should be someone who is not trying to be the most interesting, but the most interested. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, I love that. And I think that, they're, they're, yeah. So I think, yeah, being, being willing to be interested and being, yeah, I just think that's such a great skill to have. And how do you measure responsibility then? How, how do you <laughs> do that? Because I think that's an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you can truly measure it. Um, maybe that's something to work on, something to develop, but, and here comes a big name drop, but we we actually use um, we use a guy we use a, a, a um, an SPQ profiling scoring um, okay. a scoring system which which measures people before they come in. And one of those things that there's loads of different things that we measure. Um, we're a real data driven company, but one of the things that we measure, which in for me indirectly is about responsibility, is a it's essentially a score which will assess how likely is that person to point a finger pointer. How likely mm. are they the person to play the blame game? So the higher score you get on that, the more of a red flag, literally in this case, is it's a, it's a red score, the more that's a problem. So if we're trying to develop a culture, which is all about a coaching culture, somebody who does take responsibility for things and somebody who's going to develop, the moment we see high blamers 
uh, that's a bit of a red flag. So that's how we measure it. And that again, that's um, that's, an, that's called SPQ Gold. That's a um, something we've implemented and, and put in for pretty much everybody who comes into the business now. Um, yeah. And it gives us a, a kind of a fair assessment of, of different people's strengths, their weaknesses, um, and ultimately how how well they're going to do in sales. Yeah, that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. So we obviously you've been a recruitment business owner for the last two two and a bit years. So we're yeah. definitely going to talk about that today. But what I just wanted to find a bit more about Pete was early days in recruitment. So how how would you describe your first year in recruitment? Wow, um, God, first year in recruitment. It's funny because I was um, as you like, through this pandemic, and I promised myself I wouldn't say pandemic, but right throughout the last year, <laughs> I'm pretty sure for most businesses, unless you are in healthcare, um, maybe in e-commerce, it's been about BD. It's been about mm. bringing on new business, and it's traditionally the thing that is perceived as the, the harder job, right? But my first year or years, my first four years in or three years in uh, recruitment were just one eighty BD. So, oh, wow. yeah, I remember, you know. So I came in. I didn't know any. I didn't know any different. You know, I came in and um, <laughs> I actually came into recruitment to. Uh, <laughs> I came into recruitment to earn loads of money quickly, so I could get out of recruitment. Um, and and then and then quickly saw that recruitment was this you know um life enhancement opportunity disguised as a career and learned so many things um i was like well no i'm I'm in this now so that's one for another day but um i came in and it was just okay do this pick it was it sounds so cliche pick up the phone make these calls to these people and get through to enough people get through to enough people and you'll uh, find some people that are hiring and then you'll you take some job specs. And that was it. That was my job. And I loved it. And I didn't at first. Nobody loves interrupting people for a living. Um, but that became my my bread and butter, you know. Doing what, what made you, what made you, what made, what helped you begin to love it? Because I think that, that, and I'm sure you've seen it now, right? If you, that's where you started your career. That, that's definitely the area that I found most difficult. Uh, sort of early on in my recruitment career and I think that that shared quite a lot with people right so I guess how did you begin to love it yeah so it was the um I guess it was two things it was the it was the the, it was the competitive nature of not wanting to be beaten you know you had these people who it was a game it's just a game you know there's people on the other end of the phone who either don't want to speak to you or you have to convince them that you've got something compelling or you have a, a, an offering that's compelling so it's like a game how do i get these people to to buy into that <laughs> well part of it is how well you can articulate that and part of it is well like if you can articulate it really well but you only do it five times a day then you're never going to win so like I, I'm a massive formulas guy, and it was just right. Well, just do both of those things really well, then I'll succeed. And what really helped was it was just you know at the time it was like right, you just need to do like do 80 calls, speak to 16 people a day, and just do that, and you'll smash it. Um, obviously it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but I liked having a plan and having a goal, and just knowing that if I did that every single day, I'd win. So, well, I think that's the insight though, right? That you. Instead of just going, I don't enjoy BD, you broke yeah, it yeah. down, or I'm finding BD challenging. You broke it yeah. down and actually worked out, well, actually, this is if I, I, you broke it down to numbers rather than, oh, this is like, this is a challenge. You get what I mean? You broke it down to like, right. Yeah. Then basically, this is the equation that should enable me to achieve what I need to. And yeah, yeah. you then just focused on 
the number like yeah so i guess like some of the self-dialogue might have been right so i've just spoken to that person that now i've only got 15 more left to do maybe i can get another person off and then like, do you get what i mean so you yeah, create exactly. that yeah so that's really interesting yeah, yeah i mean for me that it has to be that it has to be but then i'm we are so data driven you know i am I, everything has to have a, a metric behind it that's not to say like we're kpi central but it's like well it has to be measurable right if it's, if it's not measurable it's not really a, a great goal so um that was just dead clear it was really clear do that and then you'll be successful rather than so just what what yeah. i was what i'm interested in i, I really like ans- asking this question like what if you looking back and, and i'm sure obviously things change right but like what was your most effective way of hitting that, that 16 job spec goal, whatever the goal was, but how, what was your most effective way of being successful in that role and getting job briefs and, and good ones? Like what was your most effective way of achieving that? Most effective way. Um, I guess that's hard to define, but I think the, the key to it is consistency. You know, it was it, it, just like anything training as well, you know, it's consistency. It's not kind of going, kind of going blast out, seven sessions this week and do three three double training sessions it's like no you're much better off if you can just do four sessions a week every day of your life so same thing with training every with, with recruitment it's just it's just reps it's putting in the reps day after day and being consistent and i feel like it's such a high intensity job it's such a hard job especially the bd side of it you can burn out so easily you can mm. burn out and just be like you're just getting spanked over the head with you know these ridiculous numbers to try and hit or it's like yeah come on let's go do it and and it's like high intensity but then how long is that you can't do that for 10 hours a day every day some people can but you're going to burn out eventually so it's like well if there was some sensible metric just doing it consistently so consistency was was the key but if that's what you mean by how i did it um um with again within like within the bd aspect of it it wasn't you know you like anyone you after a year you've built up a client base you yeah. hopefully can rinse as much of that client for want of a better phrase of, of all, the jo- <laughs> all, all the jobs within i guess you know making sure you're getting all the bd out one client rather than it's not okay one new job yeah, yeah. one new client and then hit and run um so that was how i found my success by getting the most out of a, a particular client which actually led to me then working on a load of weird and wonderful roles that we'd never really touched before in weird and wonderful locations and then started up the um, European division, the international division and uh, started placing people in different countries, which was like, that's sort of second nature to us now. But at the time it was like, well, going and placing people in Germany or France. It's like, wow, yeah. what we do, what are we doing? Weirdly, yeah. my, my first job spec, which I just happened upon, I just called a number on the database it was somebody in Germany. It was somebody in Germany, and it was like, "Well, we've got this job on in Germany. Can we do it?" It's like, "All right, yeah, we'll we'll have a go." <laughs> Didn't feel it, but it was like, "What is this guy doing?" I didn't yeah. know what I was doing. I had no idea yeah. what I was doing. I, I definitely want to. I definitely want to get onto that because I think a lot of people are interested in the sort of the nuances of recruiting in other markets, right? That you have to adapt to, or what's different about it. But just to sort of wrap this up together, then. Like if I'm listening to this, I'm, I'm early on in my recruitment career and that may mean that sort of I spent my first sort of 12, 18 months, first two years, part of that during COVID, right? And obviously, yeah, the BD element is an important part, right? So 
like what would your advice be to me then? Because I'm sure you've had to give some of this advice to some of your team. Like what would your advice be to me if I'm struggling at the moment with the business development side? Like what would you say to me that hopefully would help me get more out of my efforts or just help me push on, do you think? Yeah, well, the first thing I would say is um, whenever you speak to, before we come on to that, whenever you speak to any any leader who's been through a recession and um, you, talk, you talk to them about well, how did you get through the recession, you see this sort of fondness in their eyes of, oh, God, yeah, that recession of 2008 <laughs> or whatever it was. Um, and so if you if you started your career in, in this recession, this hellhole of a, of a market, like that's the best thing that can happen to you because if you can get through that, you, you can get through anything. You know, how easy is it going to be? Um, and so my advice would be don't, you know, don't gloat too much about how great that time was when it, it really is. It's, it's probably the best training you can get um, in working through and surviving uh, such a yeah. horrible market. Um, so, yeah, what may my advice be for somebody who's in that now is it is just that is consistency. It's just keep going through it. You you just trust the numbers. We always just put faith in the numbers of you do this enough times and you'll be successful. Where what is really just self destruction mode is a bad market. No one's picking up the phone anyway. I'm just going to make less calls because no one's going to, you know, respond no, to you me anyway. The no one's going to give me a job. Yeah, exactly. So just keep keep up with the metrics. You know, trust the metrics. Trust the numbers. Know your metrics mm. first, but tr- trust the numbers. That's it. Yeah. Um, well, I think that, that's the advice, isn't it? Because early on, you might not know what the equation is. You should have at least an idea of that. Yeah. And I think that's, that will vary from person to person, but it's funny, isn't it? It's not since I started in 2011, the metrics really haven't changed much. Um, <laughs> you know, it really, it really hasn't. You know, what was I? I'd get five job specs a week by speaking to 16 people a day by making 80 calls a day. Fast forward 10 years later, it's really no different. So mm. it's going to be different for every market. But, um, and of course, through the pandemic, yeah, you, you speak to, to speak, speak to 16 people, God, you're not going to get a job spec. But, um, well, we didn't anyway. It was like people were just laughing us off the phone. Um, I remember one of, the, one of the lads was like 60 DMs in, 60 decision maker calls in. And, and then that was the first time he got a spec throughout that period. So it took 60 conversations. Really? Yeah, but he got there, you know, he got there. Um, and that was just it. It was just focusing on the process, focusing on the metrics, not thinking too much. Press, and, yeah. Crapping yourself about it's another week without a job spec. What am I going to do? Or just look at mm. look at your numbers. Look at your I think I think there's an interesting th- thing right there about what you're also trying to sort of put a bit of a spotlight on, which typically people don't. Is like you're you're basically putting on the pedestal the process over the outcome. Do you know you what I mean? Should do. Yeah, absolutely. You should do. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's like, but that's what I mean. I think that massively helps early on as well. If I think back, like some it's very easy to think that BD session or sort of that whole focus period on business development didn't go well because I didn't get a job spec. But actually mm. what you're saying there is if you know your numbers and you know the process, it's trust the process. And and if you know you've done that, then it's like, right, I'm I'll look at that in a positive way. Do you get what I mean? And that that definitely helps with motivation. So I think that's just that's I mean there's loads of things in life for that isn't it it's like about sort of understanding don't just celebrate the outcome it's actually the the gold is in the process and then if you get really good at celebrating the process and enjoying that 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 will help that will help you get to the outcome 
Yeah, exactly. And it's that whole thing of what, how you how do you incentivize that, right? So as a leader, mm. you know, you've got the commission at the end of the day of, you know, the placement that comes through, but how do you how do you reward and incentivize the behaviors that you're looking for? Well, if you know, if you as the leader trust the process um, and you can, well, ideally, if you can get them to come up with the incentive. So if you mm. can, if you can set incentives based around the process rather than based around outcomes, then you probably get the process results that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, like ideally, everyone's different, but we just say, well, what do you want for that? You know, within mm. reason, don't go ask for a Porsche, but you know, <laughs> I've hit yeah, 16 yeah, yeah. the M Connects, can I have a push? Um yeah, yeah. so yeah, get let them come up with the the uh, the outcomes that the yeah, the incentives that they want. Um yeah. and yeah, those whatever they want, whether it's time off, more money, you know, just come up with something, get creative. And the most creative way you can do that is getting them to come up with the yeah, uh, ask new people. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. I have to ask you this. We've been to, you say you love you love the numbers, talking about making sure that yeah, you need to know your numbers. I, I remember getting this question through in my inbox and I think it's such an interesting question, but basically we want to know in your opinion, what do you think is the most important action KPI metric that contributes to recruiter success? Most important KPI that matters to a recruiter's success. Mm-hmm. That contributes um, to it. Yeah. That would be um, meaningful conversations. Mm. So and the number of meaningful conversations. Mm. Yeah, and, and that, well, that's, what, that's customers. That's customers. So it's clients and candidates. Well, it's clients and candidates. It's a bit of a cop out, right? Isn't it? But uh, it's the, the. I think the key there is it's it's knowing and understanding and really um, being true to yourself on what's a meaningful conversation. Yeah, that's what, what was the next question. Yeah. So, did you get something out of the call? If it's and if you're just having conversations for the sake of having conversations, we'll, we'll see how that goes. You know, yeah, you can speak to fifty people a day, but if you're just talking about the weather. Or you're not actually getting anything out of it, then it's no good. So, yeah, it's it's the number of quality conversations where you're getting more information than you had when you started. Yeah. That was that was always the mantra. It was the mantra that my then boss, now investor in Orcrew, did said. Yeah, it was Mark Neeland. It said, "Win, just win every call. You know, win every call. Get something out of every single conversation, even if that's okay. Well, if you're not working with me right now, and you you haven't got anything now, will will you give me a chance in the future? Will you work with me?" Mm. Um, whether it's getting a lead, whether it's just getting some some little nugget of information that you call them again in three months' time, you've got something more valuable. So, mm. yeah, that was always the thing for me. Yeah, if, and I think back when I think back to the metrics right when I started, and even now, the thing that I'm most interested in is that it's those decision maker connects. It's you know I would, that was always what drove me. It's like right, get to sixteen, get to sixteen every day. So that's. The fact that I'm still thinking about that now, I think inherently means that's the that's lot, for me yeah. the most important metric. Yeah. So on this, I'll, I'll, we'll we'll go into Pete, the business owner, right? But does someone just come up for me? I think that's interesting. I think Pete recruiters will definitely agree. Listen to this that 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 makes sense, right? Meaningful conversations and these things, right? And yeah, like you said, you spend a lot of time thinking about it. You're even thinking about it now. So what I wanted to ask you was, I'm sure you've worked with your guys on this and this is something you've refined. You're talking a bit about there, just win the call. But like, in your opinion then, like what, why don't I ask you it this way? In your opinion, where do you think recruiters typically go wrong on those connect calls or on those decision-maker connect calls? 
And because I was thinking about what do you think makes that DM Connect course successful? But you said any sort of nugget. But like, where do you think recruits typically go wrong? Um, I think, especially when you're under pressure, um, where I see it go wrong most is where you're looking for that short-term win. You're looking for that quick win. Mm. So I think recruits get a bad rep because it's all about them. It's all about them. It's about give me what I want. Give give me the information. Even if even if that's really well qualified information, it's give me give me stuff. Give me a job. Um, get, uh, what 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 do I need to find for you? Rather than making it conversely, I know we're talking about the process, not the outcome. But rather than making those conversations outcome focused for the client, so you know, even when it comes to taking a job spec, it's like, well, what are the outcomes that this person needs to deliver? Not and focusing more on that, which is helping your customer more. So if you can get them to realize that you're hopefully genuinely um, interested in their best outcomes and the outcomes that they want rather than what, what you want, um, which might not be take a job spec with them today, uh, mm. which might not be get an interview with them right now. So I think the thing is it's difficult because we're all in, we're in this and we're in perm, right? So it's different from contract, which is very, very fast moving. But um yeah it's that it's having that balance of we want short-term wins and a lot of people um i don't want to blanket everyone with the same uh, idea but you know millennials especially can be quite short-term focused um when you're on that call getting those short-term and give me something immediately um that's where i see people making the biggest mistake rather than thinking about the longest longer game and um gathering information which might help them you don't want to go too far that way and it's like if there's an opportunity stay yeah, in the place, yeah yeah exactly um but for the new people coming in it's like it's the pressure of got this got this target on my head uh, or soon to have i need to get yeah. stuff i'm just going to go and see what, what can you give me um that's the biggest mistake i i see um, yeah the, I think, was, go on sorry go on i, I was just going to say the other thing and it's, it's a general one but it is that it's mindset and um, it's coming in knowing, you know, most people who get into recruitment are quite competitive and inevitably you come in and you've got these other people around you who are doing really, really well and um, maybe setting expectations that you sh- of, of getting too much and, and achieving too much early on um, and having that mindset of it's going to be hard and you're going to get a lot of failure at the start. So, you know, managing your mindset. What what I was just going to ask was if I if I'm thinking if I'm listening to this like I think that's a really good point, really really great point. I guess what I might be thinking now if I'm listening to this and hearing you say that is like well if I don't take a job spec or if I'm not talking to them about getting them a, a person that can sort of help their business, like what value can I give them or like what can I give them? Do you get what I mean? That might be something yeah. that I'm thinking about. I mean I've definitely got some ideas around that, but I sort of wanted to. See, like, if I'm saying to you, okay, Pete, I get that, but like, if I'm not talking to them about a job or whatever, like, what what can I actually give them? What what would you say to that? I'd I'd say ask them. Mm. Ask them. The most of the answers that we get are from our clients um, and are from our candidates. So just asking them, you know, whether whether it's learning about the information on the market, whether it's learning about an industry, you learn most of your stuff from your clients and and your candidates. And so who better to ask for if you're if you're saying what can what can i get out of this or how can i help them i'm just asking them that okay well if i can't given that this is what i do given i speak to these candidates all day long i speak to these clients all day long you're not looking now how can i help 
how else can I add value to you? Um, it's a really simple question, but because that involves you doing something or giving something back rather than taking, it's a diff- bit of a mindset shift. Um, so yeah, ask them. And if you ask that question every single day, you're going to get loads of value and you're going to realize your true value. You're going to realize your true value beyond just giving them candidates. So, but you'll never know if you don't ask. I'm glad you said that because that's what obviously I, <laughs> that's what I had in my head. But <laughs> this is about you, right? But I think that's, that's sometimes what recruiters forget, right? I think it's that understanding what a great, like if you're listening to this, this is really practical and really tactical, but what a great question to try and get in, in all of your conversations. What one thing could I do for you today that would really help? Or like, like what a great question to ask, like putting it on them and say, what could I do that would really help? Right. And then that's, and then all of a sudden when you find out that five people go, well, actually Pete, if you could tell me if, if you could find out or know what people are typically paying this type of skill set, that'd be really useful for me. And guess what? You're going to be equipped with information that you typically yeah. know, may know that could be really valuable for your next new relationship. Right. That, that's, exactly. I think that's, yeah, such a and great thing to remember. It, it, well, it really is. And again, the, the, what's the blocker to those, to people saying that like this comes, I think it comes with age and it comes with experience, but the main blocker again, to asking that question is fear mm. because especially at the start you you feel like you need to have all the answers you need to know you need to know you, you need to be telling them what they want you need to be selling to them more you need you need to have all the answers well you definitely don't have all the answers nobody does so the thing that stops you asking that question the most is fear that they're going to be thinking or you feel the need to have the answers already of knowing how you can help them because yeah. you might have had the yeah you might have had the odd idiot on the phone before going well you tell me how you can help me you're the you're the expert <laughs> um, but you, you're not and the higher up the food chain you go you ask that question to people higher up you probably get better answers as well yeah I think the key thing to remember here which I which I wish I really sort of really honed in and remembered when I was in recruitment was like and this is what we're talking about really is like don't underestimate and forget how many let's just say customers, right? So let's just say C-level people, right? So directors or whatever, right? So let's just say, as a recruiter, don't forget how many different types of directors you speak to compared to how they, how many they would in a week. So a director for a particular firm in a tech firm, might only he might have one or two friends that are also directors or also in a similar position to him. Unless he's really gone out of his way to be part of a networking group or whatever, there's a good chance that he may not speak to people that are going through similar challenges and problems as him. Well, guess what? How many people are you speaking to like that on a weekly basis as a recruiter? Well, look, if you're hitting your metrics and you're you're having those meaningful conversations, guess what? You're having 10x of those conversations. And that that's that's the value, that's the insight. Um and yeah, so I think that's if you really remember that and you actually pull if you then put that on to someone and go hey how can i help you and then i go well, this. well actually that's a really good point actually i'll speak to about five different people like you on a weekly basis i'll let you know if i find that out and that's so it's just yeah. remembering that isn't it and i think that's yeah. just a really good point to highlight yeah exactly and and you raise a valid point depending on how niche you are most people are pretty niche so they're speaking to the same people with the same problems now chances are if you speak to six i don't know let's say six ctos in in the finance industry or something and you get their biggest problem, well, that seventh one is probably having the same problem and the eighth, ninth, hundredth. So you probably have got a lot of information already if you just piece together those conversations you've already had. 
So you'll be quite knowledgeable and that you can frame that as as to being you can frame yourself as a real expert if you just use that knowledge that you're getting, but you won't get it if you don't ask uh, the yeah. question. So it don't, exactly. you don't have to ask that every single time. You ask it, say, seven times and you've probably got a really good same. graft. Yeah. 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 So what gave you the confidence to start your own recruitment business then, Pete? A lot of people don't take that first step. So what, what, what gave yeah. you the courage? Um, I think I felt like, you know, I certainly didn't know it all, but from a tactical point of view, from a recruiting point of view in Perm, I felt it was ready for me. I was ready to to take that leap. Um, I guess even my role prior, I've been used to working solo. I've been used to, albeit on a much smaller scale, setting up a PT business. Um, so I'd, I'd like, I, I thought, uh, it's funny actually, I used to, when I started in recruitment, I, um, I was working with, I was living with, um, a guy who was a uh, he was a solicitor, but he, you know, about three years in, he said, "You think you could do this by yourself?" I was like, "Well, probably, but I don't quite feel ready yet." Um, he's like, "Well, what's stopping you?" And I was like, "Well, it was just again, it was just fear that was stopping me." I knew that um, seven years in, I felt I'd learn all I could really learn, and um, if I wanted to go and develop myself further. Um, and advance myself further. I, that was the only step for me that I, I could really do. Um, it wouldn't have made sense to go and move to another firm. It wouldn't have made sense to go and become a, a director somewhere else. It was just, if I was going to do it, may as well do it properly and start something up. And yeah, it was scary. That was, it was bloody scary. And there's a lot of financial risk. Um, and you have to back yourself in those first three, four months to bring in revenue and keep the lights on. And that's all you can really do in those first few months um but yeah cliche best thing ever best thing ever did what was the plan what, what, yeah, what was the plan did you have a plan what was the plan I, I had no plan i had no plan i couldn't you know i couldn't do anything with my existing clients i had to go and start from scratch and hustle but again because i had been grounded in that and that's how i started out and it was just go and find clients go and find clients on day one as in in 2011 it was like that again it was like okay up for the challenge here we go and uh, yeah, never looked back. And then shortly after that, um, started hiring people. So as soon as I knew I had enough revenue to to keep the lights on, how long did it were, take? How long did it take you to do your first deal? Um, my first deal was a retainer, so about a week. Um, really, that's like the first, the first deal, yeah. And then the first, funnily enough, like the weird thing is, had you sold like retainers first, before? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I knew that was the, it was just like logical in that that's the quickest way to actually get rep, literally money in to keep the lights on. Um, but my first deal, weirdly enough, um, was it's ironic given that now we are we're a business that help fast growth tech businesses, i.e., the smaller businesses. What bigger organization out there is it than Salesforce? Right. So my first deal, my first deal that was actually a candidate place was at Salesforce. Um, which is which is crazy to think of it. There was a backdoor in there in that there was a there was a subsidiary who got acquired by Salesforce. Right. But I knew the I knew the guy there. Um, I knew the, the recruiter there, and um, so yeah, that was my that was my first win in Sweden, of all places. Um, and actually, that came the candidate that I placed there came from a video response. This is before, before even this is only two years ago, but it was before video really kicked off like in a big way. And um, yeah, I'd WhatsApp this candidate. I'd, well, I'd rang him, he hadn't responded. So I sent him a video WhatsApp with his name on the background. And 
<laughs> we're like, okay, fine, we'll have a conversation. And then fast forward and he, uh, he started. So that was cool. Wow. I'll never forget that. I should probably get it framed. <laughs> really cheesy. Yeah. In fact, one of the guys that's just started with us has said, can I get my first deal framed? So, no one's ever asked that before. But yeah, if you want, what? you have the invoice framed. A lot of a lot of people, I feel like, would have wouldn't have had the sort of guts to make their first client pay some of the the fee up front. Like, where? Mm. Why did you have that? Those? Why was you able to do that? Why did you believe? Uh, do you know what I mean? I'm just interested in that. Yeah, through necessity, Hisham. Through necessity, I needed to I needed to make this a success. I needed to keep the lights on. Um, I needed to get revenue in quickly. We're in a market where you're from taking a job spec to closing a deal takes what can take it depends on where you are if you're in europe bloody hell it can take five months um with notice periods but it takes a long time um it's quite lumpy you know quite high-end sales it's quite you know long big old values but takes a while so how did i do it i just asked again i just asked the question you don't ask you don't get and um yeah they they completely understood and they knew that because I was just really open with them. You know, you could go in there and start pretending that you've got this fully fledged organization with like 10 people behind you, but people see right through that. And so they, they got it, but they also knew that because if they got, if, if they, if I retained them or if they retained me, um, that they would get my undivided attention and that's what they got. And that's why we were able to, to work so well together. So yeah, I just I think, that. again, retainers, another really interesting point. I'll name drop again, Louise Archer, who helped us a lot recently. I think she's she been on one of your podcasts, actually. Yeah, she was one of them. Well, I worked with her quite early on on, on the personal, right. uh, on the personal brand and stuff because yeah, yeah. she never used to do anything online, which I just thought was ludicrous because she can help yeah. a lot of recruiters. <laughs> yeah, well, she was great. She came in recently and she was helping us with um, selling retainers. But Again, like selling retainers, it's just mindset. It's this thing of when you've been so used to working contingently, you're not wor- almost not worthy of it. But how, somebody said, how do you sell retainers? Well, it's just ask for them. I know mm. there's all this great training and it's all, it really is good training, but it's like, well, just ask. And you, mm. you just never, you never know. If you ask 10 people, you probably get a retainer. Yeah, but how many every, people have actually asked for 10? It's that. It's every time this has been spoken about. It's that. It is. It's the yeah, ask. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what? So you had to get money. So did you not? Did you just sort of not do it in the like? Did you not give yourself any sort of runway? Like, did you have like three months where you knew that if like you you was okay if you didn't make any money? Like, did you not have a bit of a runway when you started the business? Yeah. So I. Um, what was going to say? Did you not give yourself a sort of financial runway? Did you have one? So shortly after I um, decided I was going to set up, um, I was approached by um, the, a guy I used to work with, Mark Nealon. And um, when he found out that I was going to set up um, and I had this I had this wonderful plan, which was, you know, if I can, if I can just get to 10 people, if I can get to 10 people in two years and, and that'll be me and that'll be great. And you said before, 10X, he's a big Grant Cardone fan. Um, but, you know, he said, well, if you can get to 10, why can't you get to 100? I'll help you get there. And so he um, came in and put some financial backing down, which enabled us to go and, I say us, um, me at the time, go and hire 
more aggressively than I perhaps would have done had I had I not had that. And if it was just me thinking, okay, well, I can just make enough money for myself, and if I can match my previous salary and yada yada. So um, he was really helpful in that runway, and it just became a case of right, we'll pay him back. You know, that was that was almost more for me. Obviously, I'd worked with him previously. For me, that was more important. It's like, okay, well, if I can get him back what he's given, um, and then start growing this thing, um, that will mean more to me than just you know getting some deals in and having an okay life. So, so, yeah. so besides, besides that, I'm just interested because a lot, a lot of recruiters will end up starting a recruitment business on their own, like you did, right? So just yeah. quickly on that, obviously, obviously he had a vested interest, right? But obviously part of that is then helping advice. He's trodden on the path that you are going on. So like, what would you say were the sort of one or two things that sort of massively helped you early on that you probably wouldn't have got, obviously, if, if it was just by yourself, right? So like, I don't know, was there sort of one or two things that really jumped out that sort of he had a real big impact on out of interest? Yeah, mindset and confidence. So really? building confidence, building confidence. Now, I, I wouldn't say I'm not a confident person, but when you are either going to start your own business, that's a big leap in itself. So then <laughs> you imagine you're there on your own, this brand new company that you, you've got this great idea for. And then somebody comes along and goes, yeah, we'll make it a hundred person company. And you're like, <laughs> you laugh at them. Um and that's, you know, doing that on your own is impossible. It's not impossible, but I have a few more gray hairs, I reckon, if I was doing that on my own, both from a point of view of him being there to help support it and to uh, mentor me and coach me. Um, but also, I couldn't do that alone without Adam. You know, so shortly afterwards, Adam came on board, right-hand man. And again, in all transparency, for anyone starting up, the, the, the thing then for me was like, okay, well, I'm about to basically give away nearly half my company and you have to have a real level head on you to to actually see the long-term benefits of that and of course now complete no-brainer i wouldn't have it any other way and so you know you have to you have to do this with somebody else for so many reasons but there's just so much to do you know only only recently we were just redividing and redivving up what we're responsible for as business leaders you can't I just don't, I think eventually people do that if they're going to go and run the race and build a, a really successful company. Um, but you can't do it all by yourself. So mm. it was a really, it was really wise and and it was, uh, it was a wise move to do it early on rather than get to where we are now, 14, 15 people. You and might then go, be a okay. bit more bitter about it, a bit more difficult. Well, more bitter, but also it's just more difficult to then start um, giving people more responsibility. It's, it just, it's you may as well, if you're going to do that anyway, you may as well do that at the start. Mm. You know, if, so you're what, to, if you're going to divide and conquer, you may as well do that near the start, in my opinion. What what's happened so far since you becoming a sort of recruitment business owner that you've that you least expected? Apart from the grey hairs, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can see them, but there's a few. <laughs> no, you can't, can't see them. <laughs> so what? So what's happened that have been most? What's happened since about? you started this business that you've yeah least that you least expected? Well, I didn't expect there to be a whole international lockdown. That's <laughs> by the by. That would have happened anyway. Um, but again, I'm really grateful for that now because, as cliche as that sounds, 
you that strengthened us as a business so much more and because we're so agile um just in the fact that you know we, we were a two-year-old business at the time um we could pivot really quickly we could make quick decisions we could um you know we we, we could just do everything quicker where these absolute juggernauts of the businesses that are maybe a hundred people at that point really feel for them and i'm sure you know the successful businesses have got through that but it would have been a lot more difficult um had we not been so although it's harsh getting hit with something like that so early on in your career that's been the making of us um yeah, so, so i didn't expect didn't expect that, that. <laughs> i was just, just gonna say describe your business like before covid hit and then let's just talk as we sort of come to the end here, like to just talk a bit about some of the learnings, challenges that you've, like you just said, it, it sort of made your business. So we'll talk about that, but just describe yeah. your business as you went into COVID. So like how many people did you have? What did you do turnover wise first year? And then I think that'd be a good context for people. Yeah. So first year, well, um, God, first year was like, was a part year, but first, first year was like nine months. So the first nine months was like three twenty. Yeah. Um, second, second full, the the full year followed was seven four two, and then this mm. year just gone was nine ten. Yeah. Um, and what? Uh, how many people? How many question. of you were there when you sort of went into like as we were like finding out COVID was a thing? So sort of March last year, where was you as a yeah. sort of business? Yeah, yeah. So we were we were about fifteen people then. Um, yeah. we're at fourteen now. That's you know. So there's been some churn. Um, yeah. and what? What we were like as a business to what we were now, I would say we were much more um, laissez-faire, very kind of, we, we just did okay. We just did okay because the market was so good. Mm. What I realized was that we definitely weren't reaching our full potential. We were just meeting the, we were, we were coasting. We were just coasting. So what, what COVID was great for was shaping up and tightening our sales process to the end degree, both from a standards point of view, but also from a process point of view. Um, so yeah, getting our sales process refined. Um, we had a lot of help on that. Um, I could just name drop loads of people, but um, yeah, we had, we had a lot of help we invested in. Um, we invested in developing people, whether that was through Scott Ransom on some video work, whether that was you with you, with, you know, with, with launching our podcast, whether that was um, Trevor Pinder on some sales training, um, you know, uh, we had Louise Archer come in and help with some training. So um, we had a lot of help and a, a lot of development of people, but then we also invested in our systems. You know, we invested in our, we got a new CRM. We, we made sure we had really good metric tracking software put in. Um, and so, you know, we doubled down on investing in the people and investing in our processes. Um, and so now we're a much tighter business on, on uh on sales on on sales process really mm. that's really interesting and how have you how have you got how have you approached the sort of how have you approached keeping your people not just in terms of like financially and stuff like that but i'm sure that must have been t- like some I'm sure some of your team might have found it difficult and these things because i think that's what a lot of people are interested in i hear about if me and you are talking about sort of me working for your company i'm gonna yeah pete so how did you do with covid like what went on what did you do like so like how how was you thinking from a leader point of view because that's when you're really like wow okay i'm responsible for these people like it's so Mm -hmm. how did you approach that how was you thinking about that 
So, well, by investing in them and giving them all the training that we could to make sure they were successful, because the last thing you want to do is somebody be failing and then it's on you. And the mm. reason it's on you is because you haven't, you haven't trained them properly. So it was like, right, let's just take that out of the equation. Let's make sure that you've got all the training you need, all the tools you need. Now it's on you. It's not. It's not like okay, over to you. Yeah, yeah you I know what you mean. But, but you've, like, you've, you've done your absolute utmost to create a platform that they can grow on, rather than, yeah, exactly. So that was that was the first part. Um, from an actual, from a tactical point of view, and 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 where and how they worked, it was you know the option of people. If people wanted to work from home, they could. If people wanted to come into the office, you know, in between that weird phase of absolute lockdown, and then. If you felt you could go into the, if you felt you needed to go into the office, then do. Um, so it was like, okay, you can work from home if you feel you can. Uh, you're working from the office if you if you feel you want to. Um, uh, so giving that element of flex there, um, and just uh, trying to, um, I guess, just trying to support people who were, as we are now, all working from home and keeping really tight on regular comms. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question on how we. No, no, that does. I, don't, people, I think, but yeah, because we all, a lot of people are interested in like growth, getting new people, and all these things. But I think what what's a really interesting point and topic is like what what do you do? Or what have you got in place to keep your people, your best people, from leaving? Right, and you're talking about actually investing there in your people, learning and development, in fact, investing yeah. in the tools, making sure that they sort of got the best tools they can, and these things, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so, the other thing as well, Hisham, oh. is the is the is having really what well, the other thing we tightened up on as well with our sales process was, you know, we had a career development plan and that was fine, but we tightened up and doubled down on that and just you know we've now got people coming into the business as, as brand new people who have the opportunity within a year to become a leader. So, mm. giving people a way to progress, those who are truly who truly want it, it's like giving them a pathway to get there. Um, so making that really clear again, the, the clarity on that was was really important for us. And so, um, I guess that's kind of a way of you know the way of keeping them. It's like who who is it who said? I think it was Russell Clements said that the, the recruitment is really simple: um, find great people and find a way to keep them. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's definitely, it's definitely not as easy as that. <laughs> but um, what I was going to say. A lot of people are interested in this. So what I guess, like you spoke a bit about this at the beginning, but sort of going through that whole journey then, like mm. the type of people that you now want to grow your company with, like has that changed what you sort of, has it changed what you're now looking, look for them? So obviously you spent, you've spoken about responsibility and these types of things, but I guess a lot of people are interested in, obviously it's just the most ironic thing ever, right? You're a recruitment business, you help fast growing tech firms find people and and you find it difficult to find people for your own business right <laughs> so a couple of issues yeah so like what so obviously a lot of people it's like yeah hard working all these things but like putting all just the sort of cliche things aside like what and it seems like you're about the data and all these things like what is it that you're actually interested in looking for when now hiring for your business and and hopefully achieving your dreams of scaling this to a 50 100 plus person company what is it you're actually looking for People who've got an appetite for learning, people who are truly goal-driven and can articulate those goals with absolute clarity. Mm. That's it. I mean, again, there's loads of nuances behind that, but that, that's it. You know, truly goal-driven. Mm. People who are, are goal-driven, again, we measure for that, but 
if you're going goal-driven, you don't really know what you want. That's not to say that you need to know exactly where you're going to be in 10 years' time. But yeah, you yeah, yeah. Have, you need to have some goals. Otherwise, mm. it's dead boring. It's just a really boring oh, life without goals. Just on this, I, th- I think that's really interesting. I love how clear that is to you. I was having a conversation with a um, recruit the other day who, who's who's high-performing recruiter, has built really well, earned good money, and we we're just talking how he's he's actually lacks motivation because he's achieved a lot of his goals. He's a lot of the, this is like this is quite material, but like he's got the car that he wants, he's got this is what he wants, blah blah blah, right? Just I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like if you've got someone in your team that they're just smashing it and they're doing really well, and, and there might be people listening here, they, they sort of they've achieved their goals, like. How do you then reignite that spark? Or like, how do you then become motivated if you sort of feel like you've not achieved everything, but do you get what I mean? You've achieved most of the things that you've set out to. How do you then, I don't know, I think that's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's, well, it's like, if you've got all those extrinsic, you've got all those ex, extrinsic, I can't get my words out, motivators, ticked off, got the car, got the house, mm. everything else. It's like, it's, it, it like a lot of people don't really focus on their goals and, and set goals and um, look beyond those materialistic things. And perhaps it's if you're in that situation, it's sitting down and really just reassessing what you want out of life. You know, what, what drives you? What are your goals beyond the car and the house? And, you know, you can get all that for being a, a really good recruiter. And if that's all, if that's all you're driven by, but then you're still looking for some you're still looking for something what you're looking for is you, you know you, it's not out there like it's a bit deep but it's you know you do probably no, need to like look, look you know you look at yourself a little bit more and probably think well actually what do i want out of life because i've got the car uh, and whatever it's else it's just difficult to do that it's difficult to do that but i feel like especially during covid that would have shone a light on those things right i feel like it would it would have it would have i don't know if you've had these conversations but like it definitely would have sort of just put things into perspective and really challenged why you're doing what you're doing and i think that sort of why and that your purpose and what you're driven by in recruitment is so important to you need you need to be curious about that at least yeah. if, 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 if you're on the path to, you've got goals that do excite you. If that's buying your first property and these things, that's great. But as it, like, I, I've had a lot of these conversations where when you do get those things in, it's like, okay, what next? What the hell? Yeah. I've got all these things around me and I'm still, I don't still feel fulfilled. Or I'm, I still need something to be motivated, but I'm not feeling motivated. How does, how do I feel like this? So it's, yeah. it's I love what you're talking about. It's yes, yeah, the intrinsic, it's asking the hard questions. Why do I do what I do in these things? And, then I yeah. think it's it's important to talk about those things. Yeah, it is. It is. I think that the and the other the difficulty is that recruitment as a as a business as a as an industry, it is obviously it's very money driven, money motivated, and so come with that, it's easy to just attach goals and motivators which are materialistic. And um, again, the thing that the thing that persuaded me to stay in recruitment actually was that it was a, a learning opportunity and a life development opportunity disguised as a career and it wasn't just a way to make great money but it would just learn so much so um yeah it's different for everybody but you definitely i don't think you can get you can't get the happiness out of the job just by making more money you can for a certain amount of time but there has to be something else whether it's helping mm. people developing people mentoring people 
um, there has to be something. Mm. Before, before I ask you these last five questions then, do you think the best recruiters you've worked with or the best recruiters you have in your business, the high-performing recruiters, do you, do you truly believe that their main driver and motivation is money? In my business or in general? Just what you think, what you believe. You've met a lot of recruiters and... Yeah, I think, I think undoubtedly uh, some of the best recruiters out there are m- very money-motivated people. I don't think it's the only thing. I think the, mm. the, the thing that separates the really good recruiters from the very best recruiters who are going to go and do something um, are the ones that have a, a real interest in developing others in some whatever mm. in whatever way that manifests. But true leadership is having a, a, a genuine interest in developing other people. Yeah. I just find it interesting. Yeah. Five questions. It's getting deep. Five it's getting deep this. Yeah, I'm all about that. That's that's who I, that's who I am. So so five yeah. questions I've got for you and we'll, we'll finish this. So first one. Yeah. If you could change the industry, what would you improve? Um in some way, and I don't know how. But I would, the barriers to entry for recruitment are so low, which it's a catch-22 because that's such a good thing. And many, many great successful recruitment companies wouldn't exist had it not been for that. However, with that comes the bad and the reputation and and, um, the industry as a whole just gets bastardized. Um, If I could change one thing, I'd, I'd have some sort of standardized way of entry and make that barrier to entry a little bit higher. Mm. Um, yeah, that's it. It's quite vague, isn't it? I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. Yeah, but- there's a business idea there for sure because it's definitely the most, it's the most, it's the most, it's the most common, it's the most, yeah, it is a lot of people say that. But like you said, there's, mm. there's pros and cons, right? So question, second question. So this can be a podcast, an audio book, a book, but like what, what book have you read that has had the biggest impact on you? Um, definitely, uh, the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. Mm. I've listened to that about six times. And what you um, listen to? Yeah, oh, yeah. Definitely, I definitely can listen to his voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I go so to sleep. Listened, so you have listened to it? Yeah, I, I've, I've seen him on like YouTube. Like, yeah, but I've, I've, yeah, yeah no, I, I love that book. It's definitely yeah. an impact to me. Nice. Yeah, check it, check it out, everybody. Yeah. So that, I mean, you can summarize that in one, one sentence. But yeah, I keep having to go back and re-reminding myself of it. And that's to, you know, some people live in the past a lot. Some people live in the future a lot mentally. I think that's me. I, I'm, I never worry about the past, but I always think about what could happen in the future, both good and bad. Um, and that book is just a real good grounder to just be thinking, you know, there's one thing he says, it's like, all that matters is literally what's happening right now. Not in 15 minutes, not in 20 minutes, not in next tomorrow what's happening right now unless a bullet's coming to your head in the next five seconds what are you actually worried about yeah because 99% of the things we worry about never end up happening yeah and (laughs) and it sounds sounds really simple but like when you really and when that really like just you really get that in your body and like you really sort of take embrace that and it's like nothing matters besides this exact moment right now it's freeing it's completely completely freeing yeah Um, love that so next question so if you could write a LinkedIn post that could be seen 
by every yeah. single recruitment consultant across the world, they'd read it. What would you want it to say? Um, I'd want it to say, um, ask why. Love that. Ask why. Yeah. Right. So that would be it. It, it. It's like, again, most most of the problems that you've got in life and in the job, I truly believe are because of lack of clarity. And it's the fear of not fear of not wanting to fear of wanting to be seen as already having all the answers or just taking what you're given, but going that layer deeper and asking why. Mm. So truly that. understanding any problem you've got, ask why. Next question. Yeah. What did you spend your first biggest commission paycheck on? <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because I can remember what it was, and it was um, <laughs> it was a set it was a set of new alloy wheels for my Audi A3. Oh at the time. wow! <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah. Nice that bad boy it. alloy. Then, Love that. Yeah, and then and then the second one was on a new bathroom. God. Was it? <laughs> there you go. Chalk and cheese, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, Right, last and final question. What is the ultimate goal for your recruitment career? Um, to help, truly help Vasco tech businesses reach their full potential. Love that. Pete, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant. Really enjoyed it. And you've helped me hit my water goal for the day as well. <laughs> Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? And if you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms and we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.